nothing but fool's gold. Oh. So we have a little stage thing happening here. I need my table. <laughs> so Craig's grabbing it for me. Um, but as he's doing it, I, I just want to start out with a, a big thank you uh, for some of you who may not have been here. Uh, thanks, Craig. Last week, uh, neither was I. Um, so we, uh, we went to Chicago for a funeral of my uh, aunt who had passed away, and, um, which actually happened the previous Sunday when we were in Chicago celebrating my mom's 90th birthday. So it was kind of a bittersweet weekend. Uh, my cousins asked if I'd come back and, and do the funeral, so we did. We figured we'd get back here Saturday night, be here Sunday. But when you drive mid-90s Chevy pickup trucks, um, things happen. And we had a little transmission issue. We got it fixed, got home midnight, Sunday night. Um, but I just want to thank all you who serve in our church and a bunch that are serving right now that can't hear me, but especially those who had to kind of scramble and be flexible and jump in and, and do things maybe you weren't planning on doing. Um, and I, again, I really thank you. There's the big thank you to you guys. Um, we're doubling your pay. So what we decided to do is we'll go ahead and double your pay. Um, for those that are serving. So you'll get that in heaven one day. Um, for, for some of you, for some other people who walked in this morning and were a little concerned that you might be seeing double, that maybe you were dehydrated and having some issues, you're not. My, uh, my third oldest brother, Kurt, is here. Uh, he's working down in Finley for a couple months. And um, so I, I guess what we found out this morning is we don't look as much alike as we sound alike to people. So people were saying, say something to Kurt. <laughs> I'm like, oh my word. Um, but a funny story with Kurt, and I asked if it was okay to share it, and he said I could. So when I was on staff at the, the main campus back in the early 2000s, Kurt and his family came out, gave us a surprise visit, went to church with us. And uh, so you know, I'm doing my church thing. I'm running around doing what I do. And Kurt was doing what he does, and that is stand there and wait for the service to start, you know, because what else is he going to do? Some guy walks up to him, and no joke, doesn't say hi, doesn't welcome him to church, and he goes, unreal, and walked away. And so Kurt's like, I, I said, well, maybe he guessed you thought you looked like me. <laughs> so I'm just saying, if anybody shows up here at our church, especially the first-time attenders, don't go, unreal. Okay, just... <laughs> Not the best way to, to start things. Can you imagine that? People walk in. Unreal. Anyways. Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes. Uh, we're going to finish up our series this morning. Uh, we're going to look at pay, uh, chapter 5. It's page 673 if you're using the Bible there uh, in the pew. Um, and again, I would encourage you. I know it's going to be up on the big screen, but I would encourage you to have the Bible open. Looking at that, get into the habit of having God's Word open in front of you. Um, also, another thought, just um, if you know some, if you yourself need a Bible or you know somebody who could use a Bible, we have Bibles at the information table that you can take and, and give to them. So feel free to do that. Um, I know several of you have done that, and so I just want to make sure you remember that we have those should you need one or need to give one to someone. Uh, we're going to finish up our series, Fool's Gold. And uh, Kevin and Tim, up on the big screen, I think, did a really good job of depressing all of us. <laughs> That's kind of how I got 
through this past month or so as we've been studying. I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you spend time reading it. I would encourage you to do that. Um, but it's kind of encouraging, but I think they did, a, they did a great job of presenting Solomon's advice, obviously from God through Solomon to us, on what we should be pursuing in life and what we shouldn't be pursuing. And again, not that we, you know, not that money is bad, not that careers are bad, not that possessions are bad, but when we pursue those things, when we think that in those things come our purpose in life, our meaning in life, our fulfillment, our joy, we're going to find that it, it doesn't. It's, we're going to find that that's empty. And Solomon, at the end of his life, is telling us that don't be like me, or don't, ex- don't learn what I've learned, that when you get to the end of your life, you look back and go, well, that was meaningless. That was useless. So I want to close our series today, and we're actually going to be in five. You'd think we'd be at the end of the book, but some people believe that this uh, that Solomon is in two parts, or Ecclesiastes is, is written in two parts, and chapter five starts a more practical side of what he's been teaching. Um, and I don't know, I guess it's not a big deal, but starting out, if it is, starting out that second section, he gives us the answer right at the beginning. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I kind of want to take us out of that, maybe that um, evaluation stage that we've been in the last several weeks, and give the answer for how do we live lives in such a way that we find that fulfillment, that purpose, that joy that God desires for us to have. Like Kevin and Tim were saying, um, you know, atheists and agnostics, you know, they live life as if God doesn't exist. And they're experiencing, they may not admit it, but ultimately, if they're honest with us, they're experiencing that life is not fulfilling, it's not meaningful to them. But sadly, for many Christians, they're also finding that out. And I think we need to, as Christians, come to terms with that. Because whether it's a lack of understanding what Bible teaches, they don't want to take time to get into the Word, understand what the Bible teaches, what God says, how a life lived for God is, is purposeful and meaningful and joyful, or they do read the Bible and they're like, yeah, too hard. I don't want to try to do that. Many Christians come to church on Sunday go out to the workforce or their neighborhoods or into their families or whatever, and they're living life just like an atheist, just like an agnostic, just like somebody who doesn't believe God exists. And they're experiencing the pain that comes with that. They're experiencing the life that comes with that. They experience the the frustrations that come with that. In fact, we were talking in staff meeting a couple weeks ago, and we were just saying, um, you know, for a pastor, for instance, the vast majority of counseling that we do with people, with Christians, is just that. They're in their life, they're going through life, they're realizing that life isn't all it's cracked up to be. They're frustrated, their, their life is maybe messed up, and some things are going. And really what it is, is us sitting down with them saying, yeah, okay, well that's, the, that's what's going to happen in your life if you do that. Here's what God's Word says, and try to encourage them to live God's way. And if we could do that as a church, you know, we can maybe look at this as a massive counseling session. <laughs> You know, it would, maybe this is selfish, but it would free up my counseling time, you know. Um, I'd get better naps, you know. Okay, I have to tell you this story. So Thursday, I'm here all day, so it's about a 12-hour day. Friday's also, because we do young adults. 
Um, don't feel bad for me, but I'm just saying that's the case. So what I try to do is, especially on Friday, because I get kind of tired in the afternoon after you know being studying and that kind of stuff, I just I sit in my chair, close my eyes, and I try to take like a 20-minute power nap, just a you know. You all get breaks at work, right? And lunch is okay. All right, so don't be like, pastor sleeping on a job. No, I'm taking my break. Union says I can. Anyways, so I'm laying there, and I this particular day, Friday, I wore my glasses, not my contacts. So I fall asleep and get up, and I'm like, okay. So what I, when I fall asleep with my contacts on, I pop them. I just, you know, try to get some air behind them again. So I did that. I was wearing my glasses that day. Okay. Some of you guys need more coffee. All right, so let's, um, let's get into this. Let's find out what God has to say to us through uh, Solomon's uh, words to us. Because my, my prayer this morning is that we grab hold of this and we take that next step in our lives to start implementing this in our lives, realizing that you know, we go in and out of this stuff all the time. It's not unusual you're not beating any of us down. I'm just saying we need to constantly recommit to what he's saying here. And this is what God has to say through Solomon. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know they are doing evil. The fools, that is. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For the dream comes through much effort, and the voice of a fool through many words. When you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it, for he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Do not let your speech cause you to sin, and do not say in the presence of the messenger of God that it was a mistake, that the vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry on account of your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For in many dreams and in many words, there is emptiness, there is vanity, there is uselessness. So did you see it? Solomon gives us a two-word, you talk about concise, I could just, you know, I could say this right now and be done and we can just leave, but we're not. Because you remember, I get paid by the word. So, um, so what, what does he say there? What's the end of verse 7 say? Rather, rather than all of that, fear God. Two word, he's a good teacher. He's got two words, concise solution to our problems. You want to have purpose in life? You want to have meaning in life? You want to come to the end of your life and you realize that, man, that was a full life. We hear people saying it all the time. Someone passes away. Well, they had a full life. Did they? Would they say they had a full life? But you want that? You want that in your life? You want your life to be fulfilling and joyful and all that God wants it to be? Two words, fear God. And what does that mean? It simply means this, to show respect Reverence, awe, honor, and then live the way God calls us to live. Fearing God is not just, you know, having this 
sense as you're sitting um, out in nature, you know, and going, wow, God is awesome. I see pictures people have up on Facebook all the time of different, you know, scenes. Kim took a picture on Bradner of the uh, daisies or whatever they are out there in the field. And it's beautiful. God is awesome. But that awesomeness or that respect for God has to translate, it has to be in respect to our lives and how we live it. It has to be reflected in that. We, we just got done seeing he's a good, good father. Yes, he is. And we're, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, you're a child of God. And, and as a good father, he's directing us through his word how to live life in order to find that life and experience that life that he wants for us, which is the best life, the, the life that's filled with purpose and filled with joy. So what does a life look like that fears God? And that's what these verses tell us. You might be thinking, wait a second, Harold. He's saying, as you go to the house of God, what, what do you mean that you're, this is our life? Well, we need, to, we need to understand what he's saying and be able to take what we know of the New Testament now that Solomon didn't know, and then as we apply what he's saying, apply it with the understanding of who Christ is, what happened when he rose from the dead. So let's break this down and look at this. So the first thing is this. If you want to fear God, he says, guard your steps as you go to the house of God. In other words, humbly worship God with your life. Now, where did I get that from? Well, first of all, guard your steps means to watch your feet. Literally, watch your feet. Check your attitude before God. Be humble before God. So he's saying, hey, if you, when you enter into the presence of God, you need to be aware of what your heart is, what your attitude is, where your mindset is. You, you need to make sure you're right because who God is and who you are. And he says, as you go into the house of God, well, what does that mean? For, for, for us, oftentimes, right away, we think, oh, when I go to church. So as we come into church, you know, especially the church I was raised in, you came in, and, and there was organ music playing, and uh, Miss Cote, my second grade teacher, was playing the organ, and we all walked in, and it was, you know, a little talk here, a little talk here. Remember one time, um, we were we came in and the church was pretty full and there was a lot of talking going on and, so, and one of the deacons got up and chewed us all out for talking and having fellowship um, during this time that we should have reverence. And again, that could be you know if that's the culture of the church to do that. That's great. That that is showing reverence, but it's more than just what happens for an hour on Sunday morning. So in the house of God back in the Old Testament, that was the tabernacle, or when the temple built, was built, that was the temple. God's presence resided in the tabernacle or in the temple, depending on if it was, you know, before the temple or the tabernacle. So he was there or he was there. But what happened that just radically changed everything we knew about God when Jesus Christ came? He died, Right? He rose again, and when he rose again, the Bible tells us that the veil was torn in two. It's talking about this Holy of Holies. 
that now it wasn't just certain people who go into the presence of God, that everybody could go into the presence of God. And not only that, but it was God's Holy Spirit who operated kind of a, he kind of came and went upon people in the Old Testament, who now resides continually in the life of the person who's given their life to Christ. So we have Christ with us. We have God's presence, His Holy Spirit, in our lives, with us as God's children. So I am always in God's presence. If you're a follower of Christ, you are always in God's presence. Isn't that awesome? I mean, isn't that cool? When you go to bed at night and you're thinking about the next day, when you go to bed, you're in God's presence. When you wake up and you're getting ready and showering and hopefully you brush your teeth and floss them, you know, having breakfast, you're in God's presence. When you go to work, you're in God's presence. When you're talking with your neighbor, you're in God's presence. You're always in God's presence. Why? Because God is with you all the time. What an awesome thought that is. But also what a very convicting thought that is. Because how I live my life is how I worship God. What, what my life looks like is my worship of God. How convicting is that? How challenging does that become? I was talking to Justin about this yesterday. Because some people might think, well, you know, it's, it's kind of a little easier being a pastor. You know, because you don't have a real job. You know, I've even said to myself, I don't. I got I got Being a pastor is a great thing. I love being a pastor. I'm so glad the Lord is allowing me to be a pastor again. But so I'm reading Ecclesiastes through the eyes of a pastor, and where you guys might look at your production at work or the toys that you own, you know, as your um, as your goal or you know your your um, getting your uh, promotion at work, that that's kind of what you're living for. That's where you mark your, your success at. That's what Solomon's saying that a lot of people do. The danger for a pastor is <laughs> you guys become my success. That's scary for me, you know, because my life is to be lived in view of worshiping God, fulfilling my responsibilities that he's given me as a pastor, but I can't look at you guys as my success in the sense of um, my fulfillment. Does that make sense? So oftentimes, unfortunately, pastors do that. We start looking at numbers, and we start looking at all the stuff. Yeah, we need to see people come to Christ, and we need to see people you know, discipled in their faith. We need to do all that, but that's not where I find my fulfillment as a pastor. And so that's, that's my challenge. That's what I was doing as I'm working through Ecclesiastes, and where I realized, man, there's oftentimes where I do that. But our lives are our worship. Paul says this in, in Romans 12. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to what? To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Our worship service, our sacrifice to God is obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice, the Old Testament tells us. First, I'm just going to run through some things here. 1 Corinthians 
Paul tells us, bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, finish it, do all to the glory of God. So how we eat, how we drink, everything we do, it's to God's glory. That's worship. Ephesians 5 and 6, family relationships a husband's relationship with his wife, a wife's relationship with the husband, the parents' relationship to the kids, the kids' relationship to the parents, as to the Lord. What is that? Worship. Why do I love Kim? Because ultimately, God's told me to sacrificially do what's best for Kim. Why does Kim love me through respecting me? Ultimately, because God tells Kim that she needs to do that. Why do I teach and train my kids and discipline them? In the Lord, so they know who the Lord is, because the Lord's telling me to do it. Why do my kids obey me most of the time? They don't have to anymore, they're adults. Why did they? (laughs) Because it was their worship to the Lord. We work as if we're working for the Lord. Our boss is not our boss, people. God is our boss. You work hard, you do well, you do what you need to do, you get your job done. Not because your boss is telling you, but because God says you need to do that, and that's your worship. So just this week, I'm not going to give names. Let me just give you some real-life things that happened. Thursday night, Bible study. We're uh, prayer and praise time. By the way, if you're not coming on Thursday nights, you're missing out. Good time, knowing God's Word, praying for each other. Somebody has a praise. Hey, I, uh, just be praying for me and just thank the Lord, but be, keep, be praying for me because I have a co-worker that keeps asking me questions. Worshiping God. Another one, hey, be praying for me. I had an opportunity to pray for one of my uh, customers. Like, while you were working? Yeah. Worshiping God. <laughs> some issues going on between Christians. Some challenges going on between Christians. Called me up, hey, what's going on? I'm like, Here's what God's Word says and how you need to do that. Why? Worshiping God. Doing what God calls us to do. We make the mistake if we think this is it. We do ourselves harm if we think this is it. We really do ourselves harm if we think just the song portion of Sunday mornings is a worship time. And if you know me, you know I kind of bust on this. When people say, hey, let's get up and worship. Okay, for now it's time for worship. I know what they're saying. I, I'm not going to you know, beat up people. But yeah, singing praises to God, worship. You guys sitting here testing what I'm saying against what God's word is saying, worship. People serving, worship. And if I could just say this, this is always kind of a challenge for, for people who are serving and those who are maybe serving a little bit more than they really like. And this is what I hear a lot is, I really want to get into the worship service. Okay, I get that. You know, you want to be around the music, you want to be around people, and all kind of stuff. But please don't miss the fact that you're serving God, and as you do, you're worshiping God, and God sees that. And your goal for coming here on Sunday is to worship Him, right? And so, if we're not sitting in an auditorium, you know, we're going to try to work that out for you so you have that opportunity to do that and to be encouraged that way. But please don't ever think that this is more special than working with children or keeping us safe or whatever it is. It's not. It's worshiping your God. It's awesome. 
We live our lives in a sacrificial way, conform, not conform to the way the world lives, like a lot of Christians end up doing, but the way God wants us to live. All right, I've got to move forward. Sorry. So we gain our purpose and understanding and all that as we live our lives worshiping God, being in his presence. And so here's what he says. Draw near to listen rather than the sacrifice of fools. Now, again, you know, sometimes the Bible is pretty in your face. And like Pastor Tim said, reading Solomon is like allowing yourself to be punched in the face, right, when you're reading this. But he says, draw near to listen. So when we are in God's presence, always, so that's the difference from the Old Testament, right? We have, we're in Christ's presence always. Draw near. In other words, lean in. Stay close. Know that he's there. Some people say practice the presence of Christ. Yeah, he's there at all times. Draw near. He wants us close to him. He wants us to know. And he says, why? To listen. It literally means to hear intelligently with the expectation of obedience. So it takes not only the learning process, but also the living process. That in God's eyes, that's all worship. That's everything we need to do. Not just the reading portion, and then we just kind of <laughs> go through life. Or not just the sitting in church, and then we're like, oh, you know, Monday morning I'm going to keep doing life God's way. No, it's taking what we learn from God, whether it's time in His Word ourselves, or time in, your, in His Word here, Thursday nights, young adults on Friday nights, and then we obey it. We, um, I, I, get, I hear this a lot too, and I, and I try to be sensitive. One of the things I'm learning from First Timothy that we're studying on Thursday nights, and we'll be teaching actually starting in a couple of weeks. Paul tells Timothy, Paul tells Pastor Tim, <laughs> he says that what you need to do is gently, um, cautiously show people where they're in error, but authoritatively teach the truth. Wow, that's pretty good. You know, that's, that's kind of hard to do, but really cool. And so I'm, I want to be gently challenging you this morning when I say this. And I, sometimes I've backed off on this, and I'm not going to anymore. If you are not taking in God's word some way, somehow, each and every day, if you're, if you're not going to do that, if you're going to say, well, work gets in the way, schedule gets in the way, everything gets in the way, then here's what I'd like you to do. Stop eating. Stop eating food. Try it. I've never tried it. I just want to let you know. Because <laughs> what I challenge you guys, i got to do for myself. So I'm always eating food. That's one of the problems I have. I've, I've done some fasting in my life. Man, it's tough to fast. And I'm being a little facetious when I say that, but you guys, listen, all of our life is worshiping. And God says, draw near to listen, to hear intelligently so that you'll obey. We, we need to be in God's word. He says, don't offer a sacrifice of fools. Well, what is a fool? The word means to be stupid. It actually means literally to be fat. But I didn't want to make anybody feel bad this morning, especially myself. 
fat in the sense of being lazy. It means to be silly or stupid in this context. Now, what's he mean by that? What's it mean to be silly or stupid when it comes to our worship of God as it pertains to our living it out in our lives? And he uses a couple phrases here. One is, um, do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought. That pretty much explains or defines this kind of person. It's the person who, whether it's throughout his day or even when he's sitting there trying to read his Bible or in church, it's the person who's like, oh man, that's right. See, I got this to do and I got that to do and I got to get this done and I got to get that done and I got this person, I got to email, and I got to go to that meeting. It's, you know, it's this. Uh, that's right, yeah. Um, see, I got to... I mean, oh, sorry. Yeah, I got. Oh, let me send this. Day. You, you see what that is? <laughs> By the way, I had to confess to the Lord. That's me. Each morning, get up, have my coffee, have my Bible. I'm reading through the Bible, have my journal. I'm writing down thoughts, and then as I'm praying for somebody, oh, that's right. Grab my phone. Listen, I have time to do that because what's our focus if we're doing that? Our focus is saying everything I got to do in my life. That's what's important. That's what I got to get done. That's where I find my fulfillment. Rather than saying, no, that can wait. This has to happen because this impacts that. I need to spend time here, and I need to intentionally understand what God is telling me to do with the, with the, the motivation of I'm going to impact that with this. When we're doing everything else, we're saying that's more important. That's what he's talking about here in, in a quick. Rash with the mouth, trembling or agitated, hurried in heart, distracted by thoughts. It's focusing on everything else but God's word. It's worried about everything else but God's word. It's, we're going to do that, but once we've done this, then we can go do that because now we, we're practicing the presence of God in our lives. We're going to impact all that with what God has taught us. Well, why does God call that person who does that a fool? Why is that silly? Why is that stupid? Because we have the God of this universe who's saying, I want to spend time with you, and I want to help you do life my way. I want you to have joy. I want you to have fulfillment. Harold, I want you to, to sense contentment in your life, that everything that I've given you, and in your case, Harold, as a pastor of a church, to be content with what I've given you, because that's ultimately a gift from God. It's, if you've been reading Ecclesiastes, Paul, or if, Paul um, can't help it, Solomon keeps coming back to that point. We, we have the God of this universe offering to give us what everything we need to accomplish life that he wants us to have. And that is our next point here. He says, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. In short, God is God, you are not. If you would read my journal, which you won't, but if you were, you'd see oftentimes I write down, I start out telling God who he is and, and what he's, you know, some specific things that I've really sensed from him. And, and then I always put in, you are God, and I am not. Because i got to remind myself that what he wants is more important than what I want. 
Here's how, here's how Isaiah put it. I get to put, up the, put the specs back on here. I put it in my notes rather than in the Bible there. But it says, that here's, here's Isaiah's perspective on this. It's a little long, but it's, it's too good not to, to read. It says, who has measured, talking about God, or God's actually talking. Um, go back, yeah, Isaiah's writing. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Not me, right? And marked off the heavens by the span. I have a 35-foot tape measure. And calculated the dust of the earth by the measure, and weighed the mountains in a balance, and the hills in a pair of scales. Not me. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has informed him? Too often, me. <laughs> when I'm playing the fool, when I'm worshiping as a fool, I'm talking to God and I'm saying, Okay, Lord, this is what I have. This is my needs for today. And here's how I think you should handle this. Let me give you some suggestions. Okay? That's playing the fool. That's being worshipful. <clears throat> With whom did he consult and who gave him understanding? Who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding. Verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing. Why is Trump in office today? God allowed it. Why, is, why was Obama in office? I'm using both sides. Everyone's like, rah, rah, okay? God allowed it, right? Anyways, moving on. Where am I at now? Going up here. <laughs> Where am I at? As he says, this is really nothing. Who makes the judges of the earth meaningless? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. Solomon's point here is God is in heaven, we're on earth. God is God, we're not. And if, you're, if you or I decide to tell God how we should have things done in our lives, we're really silly. We're really kind of stupid for us to do that. All right. Next one, last one. He says, pay what you vow, verses 4 through 6. A vow is a promise that a person makes to God. Um, and in the Old Testament, they would go through the priest and say, hey, I'm going to make this vow to God. That's why he talks about the messenger here. But really today for us, it's just any time we make a promise to God. But, but I think as you, as you read through Ecclesiastes, I think I'm accurate in saying that this is more than just a vow or a promise we make to God. It's those times in our lives where life is going crazy, when chaos is hitting, and we go, you know, Lord, if, if you could give me a better job where I make more money, then I will be able to fill in the blank. Lord, if, um, if you bring the right person into my life that I could marry, then I know I'll be happy, and boy, couldn't I serve you more? Okay? It's any time we, 
We go to God with a suggestion or a promise. If I, Lord, if you do this for me, then I can do this. Notice what the motivation is. The motivation is me suggesting to God, number one, but number two, it's me saying, what I've got planned is more important than what you got planned. How I think I should operate and respond to my life is more important than what you tell me how I should do that. And so we need to, he says, don't even make that vow, by the way. But if you do, don't even be slow in doing it. Pay it. Because here's what, if, if you don't, if you do, then you have more of a chance that God's going to, to work in your life. But if you do that, you're going to continue down the track where he talks about destroying the works of your hand. He's going to allow that to happen. You're just going to continue down this meaningless life that has no fulfillment, no matter how much money you have or toys you have or whatever you think is important. It's going to mean nothing, and it's going to destroy your hands. And like, He talks about the messenger here. Um, again, the priest would you know, check in on the person. Don't say it was, oh, sorry, my bad. There's been a number of times where I've, people have said, hey, Harold, will you keep me accountable to this? And so I check in on them. And oh, yeah, well, hey, you know, Pastor, I know I need to get into God's Word on a regular basis. Um, so, hey, you want me to keep you accountable on that? I, can, I will. I, you don't have to, but if you want, yeah, would you? So I check in with them. Hey, how's things going? Reading God's Word? Yeah, well, uh, work. And then, you know, I had to go. We, we had a trip planned, and then we had this going, and this, you know, there's always an excuse. And again, not, not against me. You know, I'm just here to help if I can. I got my own issues that I got to work through. I got my own challenges, you know, but I'm here for you. But he's saying, don't, don't make a vow and not keep it. Don't even make the vow. But if you do, keep it. Don't make it as a negotiating tool. We're not here to make a deal with God. We're here to be his child, his servant, and do life his way, and in that find the joy and all, all that he has for us. Well, he finishes out, and he has a couple of illustrations. One is in verse 3, and then he kind of repeats it in verse 7, a little bit of a different twist. And I want to use those as kind of the way that we're going to end this morning and, and have for you to kind of just, during this time, just prayerfully ask God, okay, Lord, where, do you, where am I in this? Where do I need to adjust and change and... and, and um, understand that I'm worshiping you with my life. The first one in verse 3 says, For the dream comes through much effort, and the voice of a fool through many words. So you might have experienced this if you work really hard during the day, do a lot of physical work. Maybe like me, you're not used to doing it, and you end up doing it. When you sleep at night, you'll find yourself kind of restless and have dreams, and the dreams seem kind of weird and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so he's saying, you know, that's one way to show that you've worked really hard, that you have these, these dreams during the night, and they're kind of all over the place and scattered. And he's saying, if you want to know if you've been living like a fool in your relationship with God, then you need to reflect on, what does my heart and mind look like? What does it sound like as I've lived my life? Do I see God? Do I see that my life is one a worship service to Christ, to God. And if I do see that and understand that, then am I talking too much? 
you know, God wants to hear our concerns, right? I'm not saying we don't talk to him. We don't ask, you know, we, we ask him questions. The, the point is, are we going to hear what he has to say in order to obey it? So maybe that's number one. Number two, verse seven. For in many dreams and in many words, there's emptiness. Dreams are just dreams. In, in spite of what Inception would tell you and other people will tell you about visions and that kind of stuff, Dreams are dreams. Today, in this day and age, we have God's Word, God's Holy Spirit to direct us. And really, they're meaningless. If you wake up, you know, Kim and I will do this sometimes, we'll have a dream, we'll wake up a little um, irritated by the dream, feeling bad about the dream. <laughs> a couple times, Kim's coming, I'm sorry. What? Well, I was yelling at you in my dream. Meaningless. You know, I mean, because it was her dream. Didn't really happen. You know, two hours later, she might have been yelling at me because I did something stupid, but no, I'm just kidding. She doesn't yell. But dreams are meaningless. There's no, they're empty of truth. And the same is true as when we try to talk over God, when we try to negotiate with God. Our words are meaningless because God's not going to listen to those. Why? Because he's God and I'm not. Here's an incredible promise. God is not going to give you any advice, any promise that's going to mess your life up. He's also not going to force himself on you. you. You and I have to come to him with a desire to hear intelligently in order to obey. And when we do, whatever he tells us to do is going to be the best thing for us, no matter how hard we may think it is. But if we come to him and we want to tell him What's going on? Our words will be meaningless. They're empty. So if you want to have a life, as we close this off, if you want to have a life that's fulfilling, that's filled with contentment, that's full of joy, not easy, because none of life is easy. It'll get easier in heaven. But if you want to have that life, then commit this morning that starting in this worship service, you walk out into that worship service fearing God, committed to listening to him with the idea that you're going to obey, to keep your words few and not negotiate, but be obedient in what God calls you to do. God promises fulfillment, joy, contentment in this life, and certainly we get that in heaven when we get to go there. Let's stand and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been a rough month for me as I've been studying through it, and it's interesting that you've kind of worked things out so that I didn't get to preach until today because maybe there's some things that I needed to learn before I shared them. Lord, we're, all of us, we're in and out of this. You know, we're not perfect. You know that. We, we, um, there are days where, man, we are just flying, and we get that you're, we're in your presence, and we're trying to live for you, and there's other days we just crash and burn, and so thankful for your forgiveness, for your grace, for your willingness to pick us up, brush us off, get us going. And so, Lord, this morning, for all of us, I just pray this, because this we're all here at one point or another. I just pray these words would be a, an encouragement to our hearts, not another time where we're feeling beaten down, but it would be an encouragement to our hearts and our minds that we would walk out of here ready to go for tomorrow and trusting you that we would be in your presence, that we'd be worshiping with our lives, that we would live life that 
makes you look good to others and represent you well because of all that you've given us. And we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Well, thanks for being with us this morning. You guys have a great week. Go worship the Lord outside these doors. <laughs>